have been looking at um, an interesting topic. We started last week. Uh, we're continuing that. We're continuing on that this week as well. So we're looking at speaking in tongues. I know, I know, right? So we've been looking at speaking in tongues and we want to explore, basically just want to understand this, this important, and like I said in, in a video earlier, important, but sometimes controversial topic, okay? And there are different, different claims to it. So people say speaking in tongues no longer exist. Um, some people believe that oh, once I speak in tongues, I don't need to pray my understanding and I'm fine. Um, others believe that um, speaking in tongues is only for select group of people, all right? Meaning that not everybody is supposed to speak in tongues. So in fact, some say only those, if you're in Nigeria, you understand this term, only those that, those that are spiricoco, you know, so those are the ones that should speak in tongues or basically those that are highly, highly up there spiritually. Um, but we want to look at this, and we started that last week to see what the Bible really says about this topic. And then we are, um, we are going to explore the applications of it and all of that. So I'm going to share my screen, especially for those of us on Zoom. You will be able to see this, uh, but I want to share my screen to for us to go through what we what we started last week. I will just do that quickly, and then we go into the meat for today. All right. So last week we started by looking at two important scriptures in Mark 16 and then Acts chapter 11, um, talking about what Jesus Christ he himself said as regards um, speaking in tongues. And then first off, we see that Mark, Jesus Christ said, one of the signs that will follow those that believe is that they will speak in other tongues. And if you read the other signs, there are about five signs Jesus Christ um, mentioned there. And when you read those signs, right, every, every sign was supernatural. Okay, and that suggests to us that speaking in tongues is supernatural as well. And they, like I said last week, there are signs because these things are not common to human beings. These things are not, um, these experiences are not common. If they were common, it wouldn't be a sign. And I said, for instance, if you go out on the street now and you see somebody walking on their, walking on their hands, that is a sign and a wonder because it is not common. Human beings walk on their feet. But when you see someone walking on the hands, on the hands, then that's that's abnormal or that's that's not normal. And so when Jesus Christ said these signs, right, meaning that the experiences these people that believe in Him will have will not be normal signs, will not be normal occurrences. All right, and then He goes on to list other several things, including speaking in tongues. And then we see in Acts chapter one what happened when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues. All right. Then we also saw the prophecy from the book of Joel, how Joel himself prophesied that these people, um, that a time will come rather where God will pour his spirit out on all flesh. And Joel, we looked at that prophecy and the fulfillment of that prophecy. This is to give, um, this is to validate the experience of speaking in tongues. And then we tried to give an explanation or a definition of what speaking in tongues is. We said speaking in tongues is a supernatural enablement given by the Holy Spirit to believers so they can communicate in a different language, right, for which there was no prior education. And we try to, to explain that um, it could either be a divine or a natural language, all right? And, and the whole of that explanation is in, the whole of that explanation is in our last, last Bible study. Okay, so... We are going to move on to, so, okay, one more thing we did last week, right, 
and which was important actually. One more thing we did last week was to go through scripture and look at the look at five instances of people you know, being filled with the Holy Ghost and then what happened. And one of the things we saw constant is that every time people got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in other tongues. And speaking in tongues, we said last week, is the initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. So it is not the only evidence, but it is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? And um, we saw that last week. So please, if you were not here last week, or you would you know, love to just refresh your, yourself on what we studied, I encourage you to go to our podcast. Um, the links to the podcast will be shared before the end of this of this um, study. Okay, so today we are continuing where we stopped, all right? We'll continue from where we stopped, and we want to start off with, you know, an important conversation. So people, one of the questions a lot of people ha have is um, speaking in tongues. You know, when you, read, when you read Ephesians chapter, sorry, not Ephesians, 1 Corinthians, I beg your pardon, chapter 14, right? Um, Paul talks about speaking in tongues, all right? And people sort of confuse that explanation with another experience okay so what i mean is speaking in tongues for your personal edification versus speaking in tongues to minister to people so um there's a, there's usually a confusion around the application of that experience so what we want to do today is to start off with that and um try to break it down and and demystify it you know Let's make it um, understandable to everybody. Okay, so just give me one second. Let me drop a message for those who aren't here. All right, so we're starting with speaking in tongues for personal edification versus speaking in tongues to minister to other people. All right, I want to read two scriptures today. Um, want to read two scriptures to, or rather start with two two bodies of scripture, and um, that would help us understand this important topic. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. Let us start with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, and by the way, I know this is online, but it will be really exciting for us to um, bring, in, bring our Bibles. It will be helpful for us to do that. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 7 to verse 11. So I read, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Meaning that if God gives you any manifestation of the Spirit, it's not just for your personal profiting alone. It's for the profiting of everybody, all right? Um, and then it goes on to say that for to one is giving the word of wisdom and, and the verse eight to verse 10, you know, begins to list what we what is popularly known as the gifts of the spirit. It says for to one is giving the word of wisdom through the spirit. It then says to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit. And then our emphasis is here. It says to another different kinds of tongues, 
to another the interpretation of tongues, all right? So Paul, Apostle Paul lists tongues here as a among the gift of the Spirit. And when you see the gift of the Spirit listed here, right, from verse 8 to 10, you see that they are not common experiences, all right? So for instance, um, um, every believer has faith, but yet there's a gift of faith. So there's the um, increased activity of faith in a person's life by the Holy Ghost, which is not common to every single person, even though we have the Holy Ghost, okay? We see the increased workings of healings, all right? And the Bible lets us know we can lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. Yet we see that there's a gift called the gifts of healings, right? And that is the increased activity of healings upon the life of the believer. Even though every believer by the Holy Ghost can pray for the sick and they'll be healed, yet there is a, an increased measure that is only available when the gift is in operation. So it is in the same context that Paul now Paul then lists um, different kinds of tongues and then the interpretation of tongues. So he lists this as a gift of the Spirit as well, meaning that every just like the other gifts, every believer can speak in tongues, but yet there's an expression of speaking in tongues, which is a gift. And then there's also an expression, which is um, the interpretation, interpretation of tongues. And this is similar to the other gifts, an increased and an intense um, expression of the Holy Ghost in that like manner. And we also see the corresponding interpretation of tongues. Now, we're going to come back to this because when we read 1 Corinthians 14, which we're going to now, when we read that, we see how Paul begins to describe the application of this. And what we want to do is to basically break it down and see how one is applied and, you know, where the other is applied. All right. Okay. So fantastic. Um, well, now let us read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, we're going to read a couple of verses. Um, in fact, I encourage you to read all the verses, actually. Read the whole of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It gives a lot of perspective to this um, topic of speaking in tongues. So please do that, but we won't be able to do all, to read to read all of that now. Um, but we're going to read a couple of verses. Um, you know what? Give me one second. Let me bring my hard copy Bible. Um, I'm using my my Bible digitally. I want just one second. Let me get my hard copy Bible. All right. So there we go. First Corinthians chapter. Oh, this is the wrong screen. Sorry. First Corinthians, yes, chapter 14. We'll start reading from verse 2 to 6. And then we'll, you know, skip, read other verses and let's see how, that, how we progress with that. First Corinthians chapter 14, um, reading from verse 2. It says, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So the Bible says that the person that speaks in other tongues, right? Um, he's not speaking to, to man, but he's speaking to God. He says that even though nobody understands him, yet in the spirit he speaks mysteries. And um, this is one of the, we'll come back, we might come back, to, I, I'm not guaranteeing, we might come back to this verse later, but just to know that he speaks mysteries to God. Then verse three says, but he that prophesies speaks not unto men, so rather he that prophesies speaks to men for edification, 
exhortation and comfort. So we begin to see a difference now that if you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking to God, but if you're speaking to men, you're speaking to, if you're prophesying rather, you're speaking to men for their comfort. So when you're prophesying, you have to, because you're speaking to men, you have to speak in a language that men will understand. Um, uh, let, let me, at the expense of going ahead of myself, right? Let me give an illustration. Let's say I come to, let me see, who are those on Zoom? Okay, let's say I come to Adiola and I say, I come to Adiola and I say, oh, Adiola, the Lord bless you. And then I begin to speak in my native language. Adiola doesn't understand my native language. I am so certain she doesn't understand it, right? She doesn't understand my native language. And even though what I'm saying might be important, Yet, because she doesn't understand it, it doesn't benefit her. So it is very similar to what Paul was saying here, that the person that prophesies comes and speaks in encouraging words in the understanding of whoever is listening, and they are blessed. But the person that speaks in other tongues speaks to God and speaks, in, in, speaks mysteries to God, even though nobody else understands. All right, let's proceed. Now, verse 4 says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself but he that prophesies edifies the church. And I believe this is easy to understand because the person that speaks in unknown, unknown tongue, remember, nobody understands this person, okay? So imagine I come to your church. Let's say they, they invite me to minister and you are excited. Oh, Brother Victor is coming to minister and I come with my suit and tie. I take off the mic and I begin to speak in tongues to you people. You will not understand what I'm saying because it is obviously not in a language that is easily understood or that you, anybody understands. So the Bible says that he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies him, himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. So in prophecy, you edify the church. In speaking in tongues, you edify yourself. Prophecy, you edify the church. For instance, um, God gives me a, let's say we're fellowshipping together with, with, with brethren, and then God drops a scripture in my heart maybe to say that um, I'm making all things new, um, forget the former things, new things are coming. And that word is for somebody in the congregation. Now, the church is edified because of that prophecy that I am bringing to the church. But when we speak in tongues, I am the one that is edified because of the spiritual activity. Even though what I'm doing is a mystery, it's, it's fantastic, but the people in church who are listening to me deliver that message in tongues, may not understand, would not be edified because they do not understand what I'm saying. Okay, let's continue. Now verse six says, rather verse five says, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you, you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interprets that the church may receive edifying. Now, this is one of the areas where there's a lot of confusion because People have said it's better to prophesy than to speak in tongues, and they have left it at that. And so, what 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 we now what people now have now come to develop as a theology is that speaking in tongues is not important. If you can just prophesy, that's the end. Just prophesy. It is after all, Paul, Paul says speaking in tongues is more important than prophesying, right? But let us read this verse six again because verse six gives us the context for for this. Um, gives us the context for this scripture and then helps us understand better what Paul was saying. Now look at verse 6 again. We're reading 1 Corinthians, by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and we are in verse 6 at the moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6. It says, verse 6, it says, Now, brethren, 
No, verse 5. I beg your pardon. Not verse 6. Verse 5. I would that ye all speak with tongues. So Paul is saying that I want all of you to speak in tongues. He says, but rather that you prophesy. He says, but what I would even prefer is that all of you prophesy. And this is his reason. He goes on to say, because greater is he that prophesied. Now, the word greater is not talking of importance in the king. He's not talking of importance in, in ranking or in the kingdom. You know how you say, um, let's assume you have two, um, let's say, let's say I have two, two things, right? I have right here in my hand glasses, if you can see this, and then I have in my other hand a pencil. Then I'll say, um, let's assume someone comes ask me, Victor, between a pencil and your and these glasses, which one would you pre, which one would you prefer? Then I'll say, ah, no, I prefer my glasses. I can throw away my pencil, but I, I prefer my glasses. I'll choose my glasses. You know, all those, you know, all those things you see online that say pick one. If you were only if you were, if you were to do without one, which one would you do without? No, that's not the context Paul was talking about. Absolutely not. When he says greater, in the Greek, it means it is beneficial more beneficial with respect to this setting or with respect to the context that is being addressed. That is what he means when he says greater. He says greater, in fact, let me pause here and um, read the amplified version for this particular verse, verse, um, verse five. Amplified version of verse five. Let me show you what, let me read out what he says. He says that now I wish now I wish that you might all speak in unknown tongues, but more especially, I want you to prophesy, to be inspired to preach and interpret the divine will and purpose. He says, he who prophesies is greater. Then he goes on to explain in brackets, says, more useful and more important than he who speaks in tongues, unless he should interpret what he says so that the church may be edified and receive good from it. So what Paul was saying in essence is, the person who now, first of all, before I continue, let me give the context for this. The context was in general worship. And what used to happen as a background understanding is that what used to happen is that this church in Corinth, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they got, I mean, they received the word of God, re received the Holy Ghost, and they got excited. They really wanted spiritual gifts. And part of the reason why they were enthusiastic about spiritual giftings was because of their history. This church, very church, had been given to like a lot of idolatry and they had been exposed to spiritism. So when they came to Christ, they saw that there was actually a spiritual dimension in Christ that they could explore. So they were excited about spiritual manifestations, um, the demonstrations of the spirit, the gift of the spirit. And it is in this book of First Corinthians that you see Paul um, writing to them from, you know, First Corinthians chapter 2. He said that when I came to you, my words were, were not in my message, my, my preaching was not in words of enticing wisdom, but was in demonstration of spirit and power. So even the way Paul preached to them was with an early exposure to demonstrating the spirit. So with that, in, with that initial hunger and thirst, okay, their, big, their desired spiritual manifestations, which, was, which is fantastic, which is great. The only thing is that they did not understand the order for spiritual manifestation. So they didn't know how to go about manifesting the spirit in a way that benefits everybody. And that is what Paul was addressing at this point, okay? So the context for this, for this um, um, scripture we're reading now is in public worship when we are gathering together. 
All right. And so what will happen is that when they gather together, somebody will stand up and say, oh, I have a message in tongues and begin to just speak in tongues to everybody. But nobody understood what he was saying because he was just speaking in tongues to, to them and not interpreting. So this is what Paul was saying in verse five, that I want all of you to speak in tongues. And the context of speaking tongues here is not just speaking in tongues for, for your personal edification, but the context was speaking in tongues to the public, all right, or speaking in tongues in a general worship, in a group worship, maybe your family worship or your church gathering or um, or cell fellowship or something like that. So that was the context. And Paul was saying that in that context, the person that prophesies is more important than the person that just speaks in tongues, unless the person that speaks in tongues interprets. And let me read that verse again, because people stop halfway, but don't finish it. Verse five says, um, greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues. A lot of people end the statement there, but that is not the complete statement, and that is not true. Paul is not saying that anybody that prophesies is greater than anybody that speaks in tongues. No. What he said, what he said, like I've explained now, is for this particular context, number one, and that statement doesn't even end there. It says, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interprets. And why is that so? The reason is that the church may receive edifying. So Paul's eventual goal was for the edification of the church. So we come to church together, um, and then Paul is more concerned about the whole church being edified, right? And not just one person displaying their spiritual maturity or displaying their spiritual giftings or trying to prove and show that, oh, I'm a very spiritual person. So Paul was actually talking about... Um, the what, what we're talking about the edification of the church and his priority was the edification of the, of the church. So in with with that background, he now says the person that prophesies is greater or is better or provides better value in that meeting than the person that speaks in tongues without an interpretation. Okay, and he says except he interprets. So what Paul the essence was saying is every time you deliver a message in tongues then there should be an interpretation. And this is when you deliver a message in tongues, all right? So we're reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. We're starting reading from verse 2 to 6. Um, we're in verse 6 now. It says, now, now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I speak to you by, I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. So again, what I've been explaining, Paul was saying, Paul is saying here that if I come to you speaking in tongues, but I don't bring understanding to you, I don't bring any revelation, you don't understand, I just come to you and I say, shabalaba, rabalaba, skaba, skaba, and I say, that's the message of God to you. It doesn't benefit you because you don't know what I've said. I might have spoken divine mysteries in tongues, but if I don't interpret it to you, you will not, you, it wouldn't benefit you in any ways, in any way rather. So that is what Paul was talking about in this scripture. He was speaking specifically to um, delivering messages in tongues, okay? Now let's skip to verse 13. Um, let's skip to verse 13. So read verse 13 to 19 again. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13 to 19. All right, it says, um, we're in verse 13 now. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So remember the context for this is, general worship, right? So we gather together, let's say a group of friends, 
we gather together to pray, to fellowship with God. And then you, some, you are impressed with a message in your heart, right, in tongues. Paul is saying that if you are impressed with such a message in tongues, then also pray that God gives you the interpretation. And the reason is because if you give the message in tongues, we wouldn't understand it unless there's an interpretation. Do you get what I mean? Right? Because you might be so pumped up in your spirit and delivered the message, but we on the receiving end wouldn't know what you are saying because we don't, there's no interpretation. So Paul was saying that whoever speaks in an unknown tongue should pray that he may interpret. Verse 14 says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful, all right? Meaning that my when I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit is praying, but my mind doesn't understand what my spirit is saying. Let me take a detour here to say that this is one of the reasons why a lot of people shy away from speaking in tongues because when they speak in tongues, their mind doesn't understand what is, what is being said. And it's a very strange experience, right? It almost feels like babbling when your mind doesn't, you know, because when your mind doesn't understand what is being communicated. And why is that so? Because most of our communication stems from our mind. So our mind wants to communicate a thought and then we speak it out. And we, our mind and our speech are in sync. But when it comes to speaking in tongues, it is almost as though the mind is separated from the, from the experience of what is going on. Meaning that it's almost as like the mind doesn't understand you know, what you are saying doesn't understand what is going on. The mind is just left blank and it's a strange experience, right? And so because of that, a lot of people shy away from speaking in tongues because their mind doesn't understand it. In fact, I was speaking to a lady um, maybe last year or so, and I was trying, just trying to encourage her. She's filled with Holy Ghost, speaks in tongues. So I was just trying to encourage her, you know, to, to not let that, let that um, experience die out, okay? That she should not just go, years uh, or rather months and weeks without speaking in tongues i was trying to equate her and then one of the things she said that she struggles with is when she starts speaking in tongues her mind begins to wonder what are you saying are you saying anything important are you even are you sure you're not just making these things up what are you really saying so you see that disconnect where the mind doesn't understand what you're speaking in tongues is one of the reasons why people shy away from it okay i will deal with that later but i just wanted to make a detail on that particular verse all right, so verse 15 says, what then, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Verse 16, else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving thanks? Um, seeing he understands not what thou, thou sayest. So again, everything is still pointing at what I've been explaining, that when we come together for corporate worship, let's assume I invited you all to my house, right? And we're worshiping and we're praying, we're just enjoying God. And then I come and say, oh, I have a message for us. And then I give the message in tongues. We wouldn't understand it unless I there's an interpretation, all right? Either I interpret it or somebody amongst us is giving the interpretation of what I say in tongues. So just, I'm emphasizing this again, that, this demand for interpretation is within the context of public ministry. When I'm delivering a message in tongues, when I'm giving a divine message in tongues, right, then there must be an interpretation. All right, verse 17 says, for, for you very, very well give thanks, but the, other, but the other is not edified. Then Paul says something very important. He says, I thank my God 
that I speak with tongues more than you all. This was a very bold statement. And let me tell you how um, the Amplified Version puts it. Um, this is verse 18. It says, I thank God that I speak in strange tongues more than you or all of you put together. Meaning if they put together all the church or all the people he was writing to, Paul was making a very bold claim that he speaks in tongues more than all of them put together. And this is to show the um, importance and the power of speaking in tongues, all right? Then verse 19, he says, even though I speak in tongues more than you all, he says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So again, what Paul was saying is that in the church, if he's going to speak to people, and I want you to understand this because there's a question, there's a question someone might be asking already, and I'm going to answer that. But I want you to understand the context again that Paul was referring to. Paul is talking about, a, he says, in the church, so in a gathering of believers, right? If I want to deliver a message, Paul was saying, even though I speak in tongues more than all of you combined, yet if I want to deliver a message, I would rather speak five intelligible words that you all understand, meaning, for instance, five words in English or in any language that you know everyone understands there. But I would rather speak five intelligible five intelligible words right that you understand than speak 10,000 words in tongues to you that you don't understand now the question somebody is asking is okay so why is that in churches when they say let's pray everybody just starts speaking in tongues I was speaking 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 in tongues why do we do that then if Paul says I rather speak five words in intelligible words than 10,000 words in tongues why do we do that and this is the simple answer because when we pray let's assume in your church now um when they say let's pray and everybody begins to speak in tongues when they are speaking in tongues they are they are not talking to each other they are all praying aloud to god okay it's almost this like when we come together and say let's pray and we are all praying in english the fact that i can hear what you are saying doesn't mean we're talking to me we're talking to god just that i probably you were loud enough for me to hear, or I was nosy enough to eavesdrop on your prayer. You get it? But eventually you were not speaking to me, you were speaking to God. It is the same way, right? In church, when they say, let's pray, and, and different people are speaking in tongues, right? They are not speaking to each other. They are all speaking to God. However, it's just audible enough for the next person to hear, okay? Um, but they are eventually speaking to God. So that does not negate what Paul was speaking here. Again, what Paul was speaking is just imagine, let's say I was the one leading prayer now in your church. Let's assume you, you call, you invite me to your church and I come to lead prayer, okay? And then we're all praying in tongues. When I say, let's pray, we're all praying in tongues, praying in tongues. But then at the end of the prayer, I now say, oh, there's a word of word for somebody here today. And then I'm speaking to you now, but I am speaking in tongues. Now, Paul was saying that should not happen. If you speak in tongues, then you should also interpret what is being said in tongues. Or there should be somebody there who can give an interpretation of what is said in tongues because you are delivering a message. Now, you are not praying to God. Now you are delivering a message to people. Okay, and that is a very crucial difference. So the interpretation of tongues is a must when you are delivering message to human beings. But when you are praying to God, you don't necessarily need an interpretation. Do you get that? Let me take that again. If you are speaking to people, right, you're delivering a message to people, you don't need to, 
you try that you need to, I beg your pardon, you need to interpret what you are delivering, what you are saying in tongues, okay? Or there should be somebody in that congregation or amongst you at that point in time that can interpret it. But if you are praying to God, then you there, there is no, it's not a must to interpret what you are praying to in tongues. Remember in verse two, we said, whoever prays in other tongues speaks mysteries to God. God understands what you are saying. Right, the, the requirement for interpretation is for other people to understand what you are saying. Okay, I hope this is that explains it. So please, if you have questions, um, we would take questions at the end, but um, I hope so far we are in sync. All right. Okay, so let us continue reading. Where 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 did we stop? Where so we're in first Corinthians 14, by the way. Um Okay, so we finished verse 19. Let us go down to verse 23. Like I said earlier, I really encourage us to read the whole chapter. Read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Preferably read it in a translation that is easy to understand, all right? Just in case the King James has a lot of thou's and those and these and, you know, all of that. So read it in a translation that is easy to understand. It will give you a good context to this topic. So, but I'm, I'm skipping verses because we can't cover everything within the time we have. So verse 23 says, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and they, they come um, and they come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? So what Paul was saying again is that if you, somebody that is an unbeliever just comes into the church and then sees you people speaking to, your, to yourselves in tongues, you know, and if you went to, you if you went to, let's say in university, right, you were a part of a Christian fellowship, you might have seen some of these kind of tendencies where in order to show their spirituality, some people just begin to speak in tongues and you see two people speaking in tongues to each other and you are wondering really what is going on here. So Paul says that imagine somebody walks into the church at that point and hears everybody speaking in tongues to each other. Wouldn't they think you people are crazy, all right? And again, this is just to portray the importance of you know interpreting tongues when um, you are speaking to each other, all right? So we're skipping now to the last two verses, um, verse 39 to 40. And I'm going to summarize everything I've just said in the next slide, all right? So verse 39 says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. So Paul was saying that desire to prophesy but also don't forbid anybody speaking in, don't forbid speaking in tongues. And I believe this helps answer the question if speaking in tongues should be allowed in the church or not. Because Paul says, don't forbid anybody from speaking in tongues. The, all, all he did here was to give context and order to delivering the message in tongues, okay? Verse 40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. So verse 39 and verse 40 basically summarizes what. Um, everything Paul was talking about or everything yeah, Paul was trying to address in this particular church, okay, that people were just very disorderly in their, in their administration of, um, of the message in tongues. So Paul was trying to bring order to that and bring context to it, okay? Now, having explained all of this, I want, us, I want to summarize something next. So there are three, broadly speaking now, there are three applications of speaking in tongues. Broadly speaking, there are three applications of speaking in tongues. Number one is for communicating with God, all right? 
um, when still this first Corinthians, when we read verse two, um, first Corinthians chapter 14, verse two says, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. So that there is that application where you are praying, okay, you are praying and you're speaking to God, you are pouring out your heart to God in other tongues. You are praying, you are speaking to God, pouring out your heart to God in other tongues, you are communicating with God in other tongues. So that is one application of speaking in tongues. Um, communicating with God. And look at verse 28 of, of that same First Corinthians 14. It says, but if there be no interpreter, I, I remember this is referring to the to delivering a divine message in tongues, okay? It says, if there is no interpreter, let him keep silence in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So there is that context where you can speak to God in other tongues, all right? So that's the first uh, broad application. Second application of speaking in tongues is for personal edification, all right? Um, I didn't put that here, but still in that First Corinthians chapter 14, before we read Jude, First Corinthians chapter 14 <clears throat> says that, First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 4 says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now, when talk of the word edify, right, what the, the, um, the application of that word or the meaning of that word basically is building up yourself gradually. So think of a, of a when a house is built. Remember, you put one brick after another brick and then another brick on top, and it continues to progress until you have a high-rise building. It, that's what it means when it says, he who speaks in tongues, speaks in tongues, edifies himself. So in your spirit, you are building up your energy, um, energy level. You are building up your energy level, building up your energy level. That's why the person who prays in tongues for four hours will be spiritually more built than the person that prays in tongues for 30 minutes. The person, the longer you spend praying in other tongues, the more you build yourself up. Okay. And you can even tell that. I, and I'll be right. This explains why someone may just give his life, may have just given his life to Christ, let's say two months ago, but because the person has devoted himself to certain spiritual activities, he will be stronger, for lack of better, better word, stronger than the person that has been a Christian for one year, but has not devoted himself to any spiritual activity or de to devoted himself consistently to any spiritual activity. So, that's what it means to so edify yourself, building yourself up is another application for speaking in other tongues. All right. And Jude chapter one, verse 20, a common scripture. If you've been, you know, around Christian circles, this must be, a, must be a common scripture for you. But let me read that Jude chapter one, verse 20. It says, but you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So how we build ourselves is by praying in the Spirit. And I really want to encourage everyone, um, make a commitment to building up yourself in order to, building up yourself in the Spirit by praying in other tongues, right? By praying in the Spirit, that's another term for praying in other tongues. Make a commitment to say, I would pray in the Spirit regularly, as often as I can, every single day, all right? Because you build yourself, you build your understanding, you build your spiritual capacity, you build your, your understanding and perception of God's word, you build your ability to deliver as an instrument of God 
whenever the time arises, all right? So the, the second application of speaking in tongues is for personal edification. And let me just say something here that, you know, there are times when you go to pray, and in fact, there should be times when you go to pray where you are not praying for, a, you're not making a request. You are not asking God for anything. You are just building up yourself. You are just exercising yourself. Think about when you go to the gym, you're doing your, what's it called? You're doing your, um, that's how you know people that don't go to gym. Um, you're doing your exercises. Let me put it that way. You're lifting your weights, okay? And um, you're, you're probably running on the treadmill. Everything you are doing is to exercise your muscle and exercise your body. It is the same way also that one of the very important ways you exercise your spirit is that you build your, you, you pray in the spirit, right? You pray in tongues. So you are stretching your muscles. You are, you are developing your spiritual muscles when you pray in other tongues. You are strengthening yourself when you pray in other tongues, okay? So that's the second application of speaking in tongues for personal edification, okay? So th for those of us just joining in on any platform, on Instagram, on Zoom, or on Mixler, we're talking about speaking in tongues, and we started this conversation last week. Uh, we're just going further on that today. So the third application of speaking in tongues is for delivering a divine message. And we have already talked a lot on this, so I, I wouldn't stretch it further. But um, it's for delivering a divine message. We, we, we literally explored this in First Corinthians chapter 14 and um, the several verses that we read, okay, for delivering a divine message. So as regards this one, when you are delivering a divine message in other tongues, it is important that there is an interpreter or there is... Um, an interpretation that you pray and ask God to give you the interpretation or someone within that group of people that you are in or the church or anything or whatever that instance is, you're praying that that um, either someone from there also has an, has an interpretation to the message you are delivering in tongues. Okay. So broadly speaking, this tongues matter is not, you know, complex. You can see broadly speaking, there are three applications of this is broadly speaking now, three applications of speaking in tongues. Number one, for communicating with God. So I could be, I could go to prayer and I, I'm just speaking to God and I'm just talking to God, talking to God, talking to God in other tongues, pouring out my heart in other tongues, all right? Number two, second application is for personal, personal edification. In this instance, I'm not talking to God, but I'm just edifying myself. I'm building up myself. I'm refreshing myself, you know, in the Holy Ghost. And then the third application is when, you are delivering a divine message, okay? So maybe God drops a message in your heart to a person or to a group of people. Um, but however, and I, I put this here as a note that the requirement for interpretation is only compulsory when you are delivering a divine message. The requirement for interpretation is only compulsory when you are delivering a divine message, all right? Okay, so... A very important question that should be on everybody's mind now is what really happens when we pray in tongues? So I'm going to leave this as a class discussion or we'll do this for like five minutes. So I'm, this is a question <clears throat> I'm putting out to everyone now. What happens when you pray in tongues? And if you don't even know, please feel free to say, I, I'm actually even happy to, to see a comment that says, I actually do not know. I'll be happy to see that. Um, but if you do know, if you, you know, have an idea, oh, I think maybe when we pray in tongues, um, Angel Michael will be swinging his sword. Let me know what you think happens when we pray in tongues. All right. So kindly drop your comments on 
If you are on MixLR, you can drop in your comments right away. If you're on Zoom, please feel free. I would love to hear your voice. Um, so just speak up. Let me know what you think. What happens when we pray in tongues? All these times I see my pastors kabashing. What really happens when we pray in tongues? All right? Um, that's what we're trying to ask now. If you're on Instagram and you want to drop a comment, please feel free. By the way, this is the first time we're doing an Instagram live for our Bible study. So I'm excited. And I think we should keep it up, right? What do you guys think on Instagram? Um, but yeah, let me know. What do you think? What happens when we pray in tongues? All right, I'm looking out for comments. Um, and for those of us on Zoom, I'm looking out to hear our responses. What really happens when we when we pray in, um, when we speak in tongues or when we pray in tongues? What really, really happens? Any idea? Um, Faith, Francis, Diola, Ife, Dolako. You know, this is the thing we've been on Zoom. I can see your names. Um, if you're on Mixelar, I can see Idara, I can see Tosin, I can see um, Onahi, Queen. So yeah, let me hear your thoughts. What, what really happens? You can drop a comment. I know typing on Mixelars can be, you know, can be, might not be the most comfortable every time, but just drop a quick comment. Let me, let me know our uh, thoughts. Okay, on Zoom, somebody's coming to the rescue. What really happens when we pray in tongues? Somebody wants to answer. What do you think? Adiola, do you want to help us out? Let me put you on the spot. What happens when we speak in tongues? Oh, Faith, why is she trying to say something? Yes, but I'll wait for Adiola. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to give it a shot. So um, I feel like when we speak in tongues, we are praying the will of the Father because the Bible says that we do not know how to pray as we ought to, mm -hmm. that the Spirit helps us. So the Spirit is aligning us to the will of the Father by praying His will. That's one of the things that happens. And also, when we pray in tongues, the Bible says that we speak mysteries. So there's like an unveiling of mysteries and um, we get to see things from a different perspective. When we pray, okay, let me just personalize this. When I pray in tongues, I feel like I, I'm not only praying, because sometimes it feels like the Holy Spirit takes over my prayer point. Because mm -hmm. I might start off praying praying for my own needs and then eventually I start praying for someone else there's a burden that is placed on me mm -hmm. and then I'm cooking okay cooking is another thing that happens and then sorry about that and then um another thing that happens to me where when I pray in tongues is um my eyes is just open to see things that I probably might not have been paying attention to before Mm. So, and then um, after a while, I get to have an understanding of what God wants me to do. I feel like I'm talking to my way. Basically, that's it. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Faith. Um, that, was, that was, I you almost want to finish my study notes for me. But yeah, thank you. Um, so when pray, when, from what you said, when you pray in tongues, understanding comes, you begin to see things you know, that probably you didn't see before. 
Um, also, you said when praying tongues, um, it's almost like the Holy Ghost stares you up, stares you rather away in, a, in the direction that he wants you to, you know, pray, pray in. And basically, he helps you pray out the will of the Father. Okay, amazing. Um, um, on Mixelar, on now he says, first, we edify ourselves. So when we pray in tongues, we edify ourselves. You know, this concept of edifying may sound vague. And I want to just go back again to the explanation um, I gave. So think about your muscles, right? The muscles you exercise the most tend to grow stronger, right? And unlike, unlike other things that when you use them, they get weak. But when it comes to muscles, the more you use them, the more they go, they get stronger or the, the better they become. So it is also the same thing with praying in tongues. The more you pray in tongues, you when you say we edify yourself ourselves, right? Our our spirit becomes stronger, for lack of a better term, and just make it similar to the, to the comparison I made. Your spirit becomes stronger, and that's why you notice that when you pray in tongues, yeah, it is it is easier for you to hear God after a period of praying in tongues. It is easier for you to make. So so think about and, and let me speak from personal experience. When there are decisions I need to make that I'm not sure whether I should turn left or turn right or pick A or pick B. And my mind is just cluttered with stuff. Whenever I spend time praying in tongues, there's just this clarity. So I'm be- I'm more able to discern things better. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Um, and now he also says here on Mixer that speaking in tongues or praying in tongues serves as a purifier. It helps cover a wide range of prayer points. Okay. So first says it serves as a purifier. Um, uh, I would have asked her to explain further if she was on Zoom, but what I believe she means is, you know, when you want to filter things, um, when you want to filter, think of when you want, to, just think of filter, think of a filter in the kitchen or a tap filter, basically filters what should, what you need versus what, what you do not need, all right? So praying in tongues serves as that purifier to filter what shouldn't be and what should be, you know, in your life or in your prayer, as the case may be. And it also covers a wide range of prayer points. Exactly what Faith said earlier, that there are certain things, you know, Romans chapter 8 says it, that there are certain things you want to pray that you might not even know you should pray about them. And even if you know you should pray about them, you might not even know how to pray about them. But then praying in tongues gives the Holy Ghost the opportunity to um, give expression to those prayer points through our lives. All right, Joy also says, <clears throat> excuse me, says in Mixellar that, uh, on Mixellar rather, that I find that I have revelation knowledge based on what I'm praying about. Light just breaks out. Amazing. Again, similar to what Faith said earlier, that when you pray, let's say you're praying about a particular thing. Um, let's assume you're praying about what school to go to or what business opportunity to take or what job offer to consider or you want to change your careers what where should you go as you're praying and you're praying about it understanding comes and you are better enlightened about that particular matter and this is one of the amazing benefits and i'm happy you guys are already sharing this because it it just makes my work easier one of the amazing benefits of praying in spirit is that there's clarity of thoughts all right if you feel confused about anything, or let's say you feel confused with life, and there are those moments where you just ask yourself, what am I really doing in this life? Whenever you get to such moments of confusion, I encourage you to spend time praying in tongues, especially longer hours praying in tongues. 
All right, because there's just clarity, there's revelation, there's insight. You begin to see things from perspectives that you never considered. Okay, and that's one of the amazing benefits of praying in tongues. All right, thank you very much, everyone. Um, oh, if a dollar pod just dropped in the in in on Zoom rather in the chat that from personal experience, I feel like when I pray in the spirit, my my prayers are encrypted. Amazing, I love the word. I love the use of the word encrypted. And this is um, basically, oh, let them finish what she says. It says, like, strictly between me and God. And, and that's fantastic. Because the Bible says something, we read that in 1 Corinthians 14, that verse 2, that whenever you pray in the Spirit, you no one understands what you are saying. And that no one includes the devil. Okay? So no one understands what you're saying except you and God. And in fact, sometimes even you don't understand what you are saying unless God reveals it to you. There are times when you are praying intensely. You don't know what you are praying about yet, but you know you are praying correctly, right? And at those moments, God obviously knows what you are praying, but you might not know. There are other times when you know what you are praying about in your heart and you are praying intensely in the spirit about it. And that nobody else knows that. And I like I like that um, if a dollar possesses says that here. So says, I feel like when I pray my spirit, when I pray in the spirit, my prayers are encrypted, like strictly between me and God. Fantastic. So the devil doesn't have access to this. Nobody else have, has access to what you are praying. You are praying divine mysteries um, in the spirit. <clears throat> okay. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, this, your sharing has been very helpful. On Instagram, if you want to add something or you want to share your own experience or share what you what you understand or by um, or understand that happens when praying tongues, please do so. I would read it out to us all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's go back to my slide. Um, oops, sorry, one second. Let me go back to my slide. All right, there you go. Um Pardon me. Okay, so what happens? I just I wrote a few things here, and certainly this is not an exhaustive list, <clears throat> meaning that there are a lot more things, um, a lot more things to share on on this particular um, particular section. But I just wrote about three things to help us um, here. Okay, so what happens when we pray in tongues? Number one is that we stir up the gift and the power of God within us, all right? We stir up the gift and the power of God within us. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So it says, you shall receive power when, uh, when the Holy Ghost comes. So note that when the Holy Ghost comes, you receive power. Now let us see what happens when, when the, let's, let's see what happened when the Holy Ghost came in chapter two. Chapter two, verse four says, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. But the Bible says in chapter one that you receive power when, you receive, this is very amazing. I just have to laugh here. The verse, chapter one, verse eight says, you receive power when the Holy Ghost comes. Chapter two, verse um, four says, 
when the Holy Ghost came, they began to speak in tongues. So there is something, something, there must be a correlation between tongues and power. Do you agree with me? Because chapter one says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes. Let me give an, a good example, right? Um, is like, is, is, let's assume um, your, your friend tells you that, oh, when, you, when, you, when Victor comes to you, you will get the eyeglass, okay? So I have here, I have here my, my reading, you know, anti-glare anti blue light glasses. So your friend says, um, when Victor comes to you, you will receive your glasses. And you're excited because you wanted glasses, they're fancy, you need them for your reading and working with the laptop and all of that. Are you excited? However, when I come, what I do is I give you this case. Initially, you, be, you could wonder, I'm like, no, it's supposed to, be a it's supposed to be a pair of glasses I'm to receive, but I'm giving you a case. What does that tell you? That suggests to you that when you open up the case, you would find the glasses that you, you, you really desire and you're looking for. That is exactly what the correlation between speaking in tongues and power. Jesus Christ said, when the Holy Ghost comes, you will receive power. But when the Holy Ghost came, the Bible says they began to speak in tongues. What that tells us is that when we open up speaking in tongues, what we will access is power. And this is so powerful that when we give ourselves to praying in the Holy Ghost, what happens is that we experience power because the end goal is power. The end goal is not speaking in tongues. The end goal is power. But we access that power through speaking in tongues. So just like my example, speaking in tongues is like the case that contains the power that we are looking for, all right? So what we do when we speak in tongues is that <clears throat> we stir up the gift and the power of God within us. And I, I want us to look at an example quickly. Um, okay, we, we should be done in a few minutes. An example, good example here is Acts chapter 6, verse, um, we'll, look, we'll look at verse 5 and verse 8. And the example, the person in this example is Stephen, all right? Acts chapter 6, verse 5. Because many times where people are waiting for power to come from above, meanwhile, the access to power is already within us, which is praying in the Holy Ghost, okay? And when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we stir up that power. We stir up the giftings of God within us. Acts chapter 6, verse, <clears throat> verse 5. It says, and being, and the same please the whole multitude. So just background, they wanted to select people that could help with serving, you know, the church. And the criteria was that these people should be filled with, the criteria was that they should be full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, all right? Now look at verse six, it's verse five rather. And the same pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen. Look at the way Stephen was described. It says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. And then verse five goes on to list the other people's name. But I want you to pay attention to the way Stephen was described. Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Now, go to verse 8. The same Stephen, right? Look at the way they described him. Verse 8, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power. In verse, verse 5, he was full of faith and the Holy Ghost. In verse 6, he was full of faith and power. Sorry, in verse 8, rather, he was full of faith and power. So what change? What what journey, there, there must have been a journey from power, from Holy Ghost to power. And in between Holy Ghost and power is speaking in tongues. And this is what I'm trying to tell you that if you pray in tongues a lot, you experience the power of God a lot. 
If you pray in tongues a little, you experience the power of God a little. If you pray in tongues very well, you experience the power of God very well. And I'm being this descriptive so that it sticks in your heart. So that every time you pray in tongues, you know that you are creating an occasion for the power of God to manifest. And the power of God could manifest in different ways. It could manifest as, as favor. The power of God could manifest in, in, in healing in whatever way. I'm saying that every time you pray in tongues, you create the avenue for the power of God to, to manifest. All right? And le let me also say this regards, because I said here that you stir up the gifts and the power of God when, within us when we pray in tongues. Have you ever noticed, right? Or has it ever happened to you that when you pray in tongues, let's say you, you didn't go with any prayer points, but as you were praying in tongues, you were praying in tongues, something began to stir up within your heart and pertaining to a gift that God has given you. So for instance, let's say, and, and let, let, me, let me give this example. If we gather, all of us gather together to pray in tongues, right? No specific prayer points. We are just praying in tongues for edification and all of that. When, what will happen after some time Let's say after 40 minutes, <clears throat> after one hour, if we, let's say we all pray for two hours, pray in tongues for two hours, and then we ask everybody, okay, while we were praying in tongues, what did you sense? What did you, what, what, what happened in your heart and all of that? You find out that the things we will respond with will be very, will most likely be unique to the gift things that God has given us. So if, for instance, God has called you into the music ministry. After those two hours of praying in tongues, or after that period of praying in tongues, what you notice is that you begin to have songs from God, or you begin to get inspiration about songs. That's because you're called into the music ministry. And that's because that is the gifting that God has given to you. If, for instance, you are a business, God has called you into business. After that session of praying in tongues, you would begin to get business ideas or ways to go about the business that you maybe did not think of. If, for instance, somebody is a teacher, and, and this happens to me a lot, if I pray in tongues for a period, I just begin to get understanding to scripture or even ways of explaining a particular scripture that I already know, but it, things about teaching just stir up within my heart. What I'm saying is the giftings that God has placed in you would come alive or will come to the surface when you spend time praying in the, in the spirit, okay? Um, all right, so I'm going to go quickly with the next two things. So the next thing is that we experience spiritual rest and refreshing. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Peter was the one speaking when he said here that these people, uh, <clears throat> so background story, they had, they had, um, where do I start? So they had done a meal, they had, they had healed a man and all of that. All right. So I'm going to leave the background story just to focus on the exact verse. Verse 19 says, repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Then he says, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of God. So there is an experience called refreshing from the presence of God. And this is what happens when we pray in other tongues. There's a refreshing. Have you ever been in a time where your soul is just weary? You are either tired of what's going on around you, or you're tired of a particular situation that you are in, or you've tried some, tried, um, tried several times on a particular thing, and it's not just working. Your, and your soul is weary and weak. You know, Jesus Christ said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So there are times when you just need rest and refreshing. One of the ways we access that is when we pray in the spirit. So you can just spend time praying in tongues, and you can feel refreshing coming to your heart, refreshing coming to your, to your soul, coming to your spirit. You are energized and you are refreshed. 
That is an experience that praying in tongues give us. And when you read, <clears throat> excuse me, when you read Psalm, Psalm um, 46, Bible talks about there is a river that makes glad the city of God. All right. Um, Psalm 46, verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So when you pray in tongues, you connect to that river that flows from God, in, God himself. All right. You, you ignite that flow in your own experience. And you can just feel the, the refreshing of that, of, of the spirit of God in your life concerning that particular matter when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Okay. So this is one of the things that happen when you pray in tongues. Lastly, oops, that was the same thing. Um, what I was going to say lastly, pardon me, I, I hadn't corrected that. What I was going to say lastly is that is what we, we already have shared again, is that we experience the mystery, we experience divine mysteries, all right? And let me say this, that if you ever get to a situation where you don't know what to do, like, like a, a, a bishop said, um, I think it was Bishop Wale Okeda said it, when you enter a situation where you don't know what to do, speak the language that you don't understand, speak in tongues. If you get to a situation where you, you left, right, center, you're not making progress, you're not getting answers, spend time praying in tongues. You would decode the mysteries of God. Let me read First Corinthians, or okay, let me read it quickly. First Corinthians chapter 14. Um, First Corinthians chapter 14, verse two says, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands it. He says, how be it in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So he speaks mysteries in the spirit. That's what the scripture tells us. Go to chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. It says that, um, it says, it says, verse, verse 10. But God, okay, let's start from verse 9. But as it is written, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. What are what is the definition of a thing? What of the thing that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor the heart understood? That is what is called a mystery. Okay. Verse 10 says, But God has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. So when we pray in tongues, the spirit, remember the Bible says that. In the spirit, you speak mysteries. What happens also is that the spirit of God begins to search all things, including the deep things of God. The deep things of God are, are called mysteries. So when we pray in the spirit, the spirit begins to search mysteries and make them known to us. And this was, it was this dimension of searching that could disclose to Daniel the dream that the king dreamt that he had forgotten. So Daniel had to tell the king the dream he had forgotten Plus, tell him the interpretation of that dream. That is a, a mysterious situation. And it takes the Holy Ghost to bring that, bring that kind of um, revelation. And that's what happened when we pray in the spirit. All right? Okay, so we're going to have to end here because we're out of time. Um, but just to give you a sneak peek at what we might. So next week is a prayer meeting because it's the last Tuesday of the week. However, we would start off with explore, exploring the meats of meets on speaking in tongues, basically misconceptions on speaking in tongues. We'll start off with one or two of those and then we'll speak in tongues um, together. And why we're starting off with this is so that there is no mental barrier or knowledge barrier or any barrier that will hinder us from experiencing and enjoying this fantastic gift that God has made available to us. All right. So this is where we're going to end today. 
Um, I hope we were blessed. I hope we were refreshed. I hope we learned one a thing or two. And I hope, you know, that there's a lot we would put into practice. All right. So I'm going to take questions from us if we do have any question at this point. Any question at this point, we um, I'm happy to ask to rather answer them. So please feel free if you have any question, type it in the um, on Mixler, please feel free to type it in comment section. On Zoom, you can speak up and just ask your question. Um, let us know what you, maybe something you do not understand, either from today's study or just generally about speaking in tongues or um, a misconception that you want to clear out, you want understanding on, we will be happy to um, answer that. So any question, please? Any question, please? We can take two questions. Anyone? Hmm. Okay, at the same vein, in the same vein rather than at the same time, so we don't we don't delay. Um, yes, I would while we're getting our questions, I also would love to hear from you one thing that you learned or you were reminded of, or maybe you learned for the very first time, or you were reminded of and um, it blessed your hearts. So I would love to hear that. Please feel free to share um what you learned as well. So if you're on Zoom, you can speak up or chat, whichever you prefer. If you're on Mixlr, also just, just drop that in the chat. Um, one thing you learned or a question you have from, excuse me, from today's Bible study. From today's Bible study. Okay. Um, Mrs. Agape says in the chat that when you are in a difficult situation, speak in tongues. Okay, I believe that's something she learned today. Amazing. When you're in a difficult situation, speak in tongues. Thank you. All right, someone else is dropping what they learned. Okay, Faith, go ahead and speak. Your hands up. Okay, so um, when you laid emphasis on praying long guy in tongues and how um, the explanation of building yourself up and the explanation of bricks upon bricks layer upon layer and how we build ourselves up it's just refreshing to know that each and every moment we spend is not wasted mm. and we're actually doing ourselves good so that's what i'm doing with. fantastic thank god thank you so much for sharing that um okay mr any comments yet i haven't seen anything please feel free to type in what you learned today or type in your question if there is, right? Um, let me, me also, let me share what I learned as well. Um, or yeah, it was refreshing to know, you know, the example I give about the case, um, eyeglass case and then the glass inside, it was a good, I had never thought about it before. It just came to me spontaneously and it helps, it was really refreshing to know that and it helps capture the whole idea of praying in tongues and how that leads into the expression of God's power. So I was blessed by that um, illustration myself. All right, so while we're waiting for any further comments, I want to welcome anybody joining us for the very first time. Um, if this is your first time joining us, please let us know, drop a comment and say, this is my first time. Tell us where you are joining us from, what city in the world you are joining us from, and we'll be happy to, we really want to welcome you and we want to meet you, all right? So let's do that. Okay, while that is happening, I one major announcement. Um, 
This is exciting because this is our first meeting, first fiscal meeting in this year. But we are having a first, our first fiscal meeting in Lagos, right? First fiscal meeting for the year in Lagos. We're having that on the 30th of April, 30th of April this year. So this is about two weeks time, if I'm correct. So 30th of, 30th of April, we're meeting fiscally. The details will be shared with us this week. We're meeting in Lagos um, fiscally this on the 30th of April. Um, so please make, make yourself available, clear your calendar. What do we do when we meet fiscally? We spend time you know, in, in fiscal fellowship. I know this is online and it's fantastic, but we also spend time in fiscal fellowship together. Um, and it's, it's a different experience. Everybody that has attended knows it. Worshiping, praying, and you know, looking at the word of God together, very interactive sessions we have. So please, if you are in Lagos, if you are in Lagos, make yourself available. If you are not in Lagos, um, let somebody represent you. you, meaning that invite someone to be there and let the person, you know, quote unquote, be your representative. But we're having a fiscal meeting on the 30th of April. All right, God bless you all. Thank you for joining in. I see no further comments or questions, so we're going to conclude right away. All right, God bless you all. Thanks for joining in. See you next week, um, same time and um, same Holy Spirit. Bye, have a wonderful rest of your day.